0: Hello, welcome back to episode two of the podcast, where we're talking about all things sex with Kirsty.
1: Yes, um and I just wanted to say, if you are joining us again, great thank you. Um, my intention is to kind of make this as comfortable, you know as possible, making it a conversation that you could have, that you could listen to with other people. Um, you don't need to be writing notes down too much or feeling like this is, like, a truly educational interview. It's just so important for us to hear other people talking about sex without, like, whispering the word sex or whispering the word penis and things like that. For someone to just be talking about it, and I wrote, like, six months ago saying, like, what is my goal what is my aim? And my aim was, like, to make sex as easy to talk about as, like, what you're having for supper.
0: Yeah. That's kind of... What are you having for supper? You.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And let's chat about what you had for supper last night. All of these... (laughs) All of these, like, really normal conversations because sex is so normal. Yeah. But in the same breath, everyone says, like, oh, but sex is private. And I was like, that's cool. But sex... Private's still normal. Private's normal. And also private is non-shameful. So are you not talking about it because it's private? And I'm saying, like, air quotes. Or are you not talking about it because there's shame attached to it? Like, what are you actually holding yourself back from? Um, Mm. Which I think a lot of us need to be thinking. How have we been conditioned who has been teaching us these things? What have we been actually taking in? What do we actually believe? And what do we want to stop believing and unlearning?
0: Yeah, which you have complete right to do. Yeah, like at every, any point of your life. Or at any point during sex, yes. like we learned last week. Amen. <laughs> so
1: what, we were talking about the misconceptions of sex, and a lot of them we were speaking about how we live in a world with male as default. Mm-hmm. We also spoke about how Male as default, even males or penis owners also don't even feel like they comply because that default isn't majority. It's not default as in the most common. It's the superior. It's the one we all look to have. It's the idealistic male as default world. Mm-hmm. So if you are a male listening to this or penis owner and the things that your community or your gender has norms towards, if you feel like you don't fit into those, as long as it's not painful, you are normal. Yes. Yes yeah so the misconception we we're going to talk about today is a sex drive and why it does not exist and when i say that i mean it doesn't exist in the way that we have believed a sex drive to be which is like a drive um a drive a want to have sex something that you can't really change it's who you are yeah your sex drive you can refer to yourself as a higher sex drive a lower sex drive Normally, male as default is the one who has a higher sex drive. Mm. And that also just comes from um, how in males, majority versus females will have higher concordance between their brain and their genitals. Which means when they are turned on, turned on upstairs, they are turned down, downstairs, which means it reflects. You're, you're turned on and you're hard. Yeah. And for a lot of females, majority, um, that doesn't really work like that. It's just normal for your brain to be turned on and your genitals to take a while. But That is what I just explained is non-concordance, but that is yeah a whole podcast by itself a whole thing that we really need to understand. Um, so back onto sex drive and why it is not, you know, what we think it is. Firstly, drive in the sense of like physiological terms, with like scientifically, a drive is something that the body, a physiological thing that the body does in order to survive. Okay. So that's like you have a drive for thirst and things like things like that that is going to deplete the body's tissues if the body does not get that. And sex has never proven to deplete someone's tissue or, you know, scientifically, it's the incorrect word as well. It's not a drive. It's more of a, um, I think it's like a motivation incentive system where it's okay. like we go towards it because we know there's, there's pleasure there. Yeah. We could add to our lives. But it's not gonna. We're not gonna die if we don't get sex. So, firstly, like the drive is the incorrect scientific, physiological term for what's happening in the body. It's, that's not what's going on in the cells. They're not okay. driving towards sex. It's more of an incentive, incentive system where yeah, we'll go get it because you know we we know it's gonna be good for us. And I mean, there are so many benefits to sex as yeah. well. So if you haven't already purchased and read the book, come as you are. I think we can both highly, highly recommend it.
0: I'm only in chapter two and I can recommend it already. <laughs> it is incredible. Uh, I don't
1: think, you know, South Africa being the non progressive community we are, country we are, um, it's not really stocked anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. Compared to I had places, to wait three weeks yeah. to get it. And I went to I think I went to like Constantia um exclusive books and there was only one copy, which I mean is just a summary of how much sexual education is available to us and um, yeah that's so true actually there's literally maybe like five books on sexual health and three of them are going to be outdated in most of the um, bookshops we go to compared to like new zealand and everyone in the country's read it but anyway yeah so income as you are she goes into talking about how sexual drive is actually a brakes and accelerator system and she refers to it as the dual control method And if anything you take from today's episode, and I spoke about this at the Sex Supper Club as well, is remember dual control method, dual control method, which means your sex drive is not one just thing, one thing that you cannot change and you cannot affect and improve on. It's, you know, that is incorrect and that is wrong. So... When you look at the dual control method, we have an option to change our context and to change our lives and to um, affect our sex lives. So the dual control method includes accelerators and brakes, which means we all have an accelerator and a brake, instead of having a high sex drive and a low sex drive. And basically the accelerator and the brake means that you either have, you have both, but you either have a really high or low or medium accelerator and you either have a really high, medium or low brake. And when I say high brake, you have a high sensitivity to things that will put things, put your foot on the brake, yeah. which means if you are um, really anxious and stress gets to you a whole lot more, that means you've got a really sensitive brake to everything else that says, I don't want to have sex right now, versus exactly. an accelerator that looks at um, sexually relevant stimulus and, and says, yeah, it's a good time to have sex, I'll have sex now. Um, lots of people have, in the male as default world, men are the ones that have higher, have sensitive accelerators, so more sensitive accelerators, which means they go down a lot quicker, to sexual relevant stimulus, and they have less sensitive breaks. Versus females or vulva owners, we've got, you know, in the male as default world or previously known researched, we have. Overly sensitive brakes and under, underly and less sensitive (laughs) accelerators. So if you're listening to that and that sounds like something that like you know light bulb moment, that's what's going on for you. Which means also, we look at if you have really sensitive brakes, your brakes, your foot can be way down on the brakes, and nothing your partner does to like Mm -hmm. you know pull you in to make you like want to have sex. None of that's going to work if your foot is still on the brake. So your accelerator cannot go if the brake is down in the same way that if the accelerator is full way down, the brakes aren't going to work. So when we look at it that way, it's what do we, what puts your brakes on and what puts your accelerators on? How can you lessen the things that affect your brakes and how can you up the things that affect your accelerator?
0: I think what, if I hadn't read this chapter, to me, I think what I would ask is, what examples of accelerators and what examples of brakes obviously super individual but like just yeah. as an example what an accelerator could be and what a brake could be yeah
1: so this also comes into when i talk about this i also really want to put a lot of emphasis on context yeah and this will be a really good example so say you haven't seen your partner in a week you know they're coming home in the afternoon you're both really kinky, you're already set to go, I mean, you know, you've withheld for a week now and you're really keen and you are sitting at your computer and your partner arrives home and he kisses your neck and that like makes you go berserk and you just like full-on, put on the accelerator and you go, okay, that's that context but if you have just like flat out screamed at each other, he's come back from, I don't know, golf from the whole day, super drunk, has like doesn't even know where he's at comes and kisses your neck and he hasn't done the washing he hasn't done any of the things he said he would have done that's going to make you go like a wall and that's not going to turn
0: you on that's a wonderful example you know exactly (laughs) i mean very i felt it i was like oh i'm angry (laughs) (laughs) i'm angry now so
1: in that context that is no longer an accelerator yeah, that puts that's more on the brakes. That just makes you angry. It's not going to turn you on. Yeah. So accelerator is putting all the on's on and mm-hmm. then, and the brake is turning all the off's off. Okay. So um, your brake can be stress at work, uh, a paper due, having a fight with someone else, like some sad news going on, things mm-hmm. that are just like they, they don't want you. You don't feel like having sex when you think about those things uh, for people who have children, a break can be the thought of your child walking in or, you know, things like that. Or also if you have a lot of anxiety about performance anxiety, yeah. what you look like, bad self, you know, bad self-image. Image. Yeah. I was going to say bad self-body image. But <laughs> anyway, so that also adds more to the breaks. And again, if you, if all of that those things are piling on top of each other, your partner can set up candles and, you know, you can have... A beautiful bath and all of these things, but that's not lessening the breaks.
0: Yeah, the breaks are not the candle or the yes, bath. It's no. not the environment. Yes. It's the mental state. Yes, those things
1: need a change. Yeah. You can't just be like, okay, I'll just put them aside. Your breaks are still going to be down. And if you have sensitive breaks, you're probably being referred to as the lower sexual drive. And then you felt like, oh, that's fine. You're just stuck with it. But in, in reality, all you have to do is change your context, communicate with your partner, say okay, these are the things that are big turn offs to me, um, things that make me not want to have sex, how can we, how can we lessen these? Um, or if you don't have a, a sensitive accelerator and nothing really turns you on, think about the things that do turn you on, how can you improve on those things, what are the things that actually turn you on? Maybe. And this is also a huge topic. Maybe you've been brought up in a sense and you've been watching porn or you've been watching media and everyone says that like your partner coming out the shower and like you know after after exercise it should be sexy to you. And then that doesn't turn you on. Now we feel like now we feel like we're broken. Yeah. And there's nothing else. Or maybe you have been in the friends group and I spoke about this the other day. You're in the friends group. And everyone refers to you as the kind. And oh, I love this. Yes. Yeah. Everyone refers to you as the kind, sweet, caring person. Maybe it's a religious thing as well. Maybe you are, you know, also a really religious person in the sense that you also are, um, people look at you in that way. That's how um, people view you. So you, in in everyone else's eyes, you're very kind, caring, sweet, adorable, cute. You've been told all these words. And then these things in the bedroom don't turn you on, but you don't even allow yourself to think of the other things that could turn you on, like spanking, because you're like that is no no Yeah. I, I can't be that person. Because
0: I'm, I'm the cute, nice,
1: sweet one, which is which is huge. So now people are yeah. firstly not understanding their sex drive, and now they're not even allowing themselves to explore what could turn them on more, and what what are their offs, and what are more of their ons, what actually makes you aroused. And makes you
0: keen. And now let's say someone's not listening and they, they ask themselves that and they come to something like, excuse the pun, um, that they like, cool, this is what I think turns mm. me on or could potentially. Now, is there not maybe a barrier of fear of communicating that yeah. to the person that they're with who thinks they're cute and thinks they're nice yeah. and now suddenly there's this other side to them? I'm sure that could also be like a break.
1: Yeah, like, that's also more more anxiety onto that, being yeah. like,
0: how is this person going to view me?
1: Um, and I think what everyone needs to be working towards is that viewing everyone as a sexual being throughout life and um, also when we move the, move the focus on what sexuality as we think it is um, or what sexuality looks good, what sexuality is normal... Those are the the things that are on the outskirts of that are the things that we are scared of communicating. Like, spanking isn't normal. Or, you know, Mm. BDSM, not normal in the sense it's happening, but we aren't normalizing it yet. And it's okay to ask to be told you're naughty in the bedroom. Or, you know, and for a lot of people, like, uh, if you've ever watched Sex Education.
0: I did. It was so great.
1: So an example is, like, um, the teacher, both of the teachers, and um, she kept asking him, asking her partner to call her dirty words and to speak to her like sure i haven't watched in so long and i do vaguely remember that yes and he wouldn't be able he couldn't do it firstly because he didn't understand what she was actually asking but she was asking for him to talk to her dirty you know be Mm. like not mean to her but like be a bit rough and stuff like that because in her everyday life she was this teacher everyone looked at her as nice and calm and like everyone looked up to her she was just over that like in the bedroom she wanted to be called naughty and and then you know they communicated it through the one the male teacher spoke to otis the sex educator and he was like what is she actually asking you to do and he was actually asking she was asking him to just be like view me as a sexual being and not as the teacher that was that sits at the Mm -hmm. desk every day and is super kind to everyone like and that's what everyone needs to be working towards when you say you're sex positive is your mom can also be a sexual being like your therapist is also a sexual being your little sister is also a sexual being your little brother is also a sexual being and I guess that's tough when it's we've looked at these people with high regard and you know
0: they're in roles of um, caregiver and stuff like that but I think that's even the thing like your sexuality is still high regard yeah and I think I I know that's not what you meant but I I know what you mean like the 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 pedestal and the like the, the persona that we make people out to be doesn't mean that each side is less or more. Like, yes. they're equal. They're no, just another exactly. part. exactly.
1: And it comes from um, the whole thing, especially around women's pleasure. That's like... That was viewed in religious terms as, like, lust and sinful. Yeah. So that's where all of that shame comes from. That's where it's all demonized from. Being like, if you're sexual, you're inherently bad. Or if you're sexual, you're inherently naughty. Or things like that. So, I mean again let's think why why do i believe this whose belief is this where did i pick this up from who mm. told me this and can i start unlearning that just because someone's sexual doesn't mean they're again huge spectrum of being sexual it doesn't mean they are kinky and they wear um you know straps and strap-ons and go full out with the leather and whoops it doesn't mean that but even if it didn't mean that it doesn't mean they're like any more sexual than someone who just enjoys soft touch and loves to be in the bed and lights off and music playing like that is still just as sexual we've just been told that there's one way to have sex it's very normal to have sex this way other ways are more kinky it means you're a more sexual being which means you know it's a bit more demonized not as high regarded because you you know and that's also attached more to females than to males. Yeah. Submissive, dominant, all of those things have, um, have things that we've believed and attached to. And that's also what we've got to do a lot of unlearning around. So to summarize what I just went off about <laughs> is that you are a multi-dimensional person. Yeah. You are not limited to the type of person people perceive you as. You are that goody two teacher during the day. You can be a badass, kinky woman, male, whoever you want to be in the nighttime yeah. in your sexual life. They don't have to be separate. Like, we don't have to be separate people. But there's also, like, no better or worse. Like, a lot of people will embody their sexuality all the time. And that's whatever works for you is what you do. If, if you feel like you don't want to be your full sexual self all the time, and that's what makes you comfortable, and that's what you choose... You actually choosing that first yourself and that's perfectly fine. Or if you want to wear what you like and fully embody the sexuality that you want to have, then go for it. So, just a reminder that your mom can be a sexual being, your little brother, your little sister everyone is allowed their sexuality. There is no better or worse sexuality, there is no more or less in the sense of like being a more of a sexual being because you want to try more things, because you want sex more often, because you have a higher a more sensitive accelerator yeah so going back to the brakes and accelerator if you feel like that is what's going on for you if you feel like one of those things really struck a chord go read come as you are and have a conversation with your partner about what are their ons and what are their offs how can you limit their offs switching more offs off and how can you turn more of their ons on, and they can do the same for you, so maybe it's as small as things as washing the dishes, so that that's an extra thing that you don't have to think about, with chores and stuff like that, or making sure that the kids aren't around, or making sure that you only are not pushing towards sex, but only, um, not activating sex, what's the word, Initiating? Initiating, great. <laughs> initiating
0: sex. I'm like, what rhymes with activating?
1: <laughs> initiating sex. Make sure that as a partner, you're only initiating sex when your partner's offs are off, when the, sub, when the submission date has passed or when the like intense meeting is done and mm-hmm. we aren't asking of our partner things that are not going to happen because their offs are all the way on. So remember, if your breaks are fully down, there's nothing your partner or you can do for yourself to put your accelerator more on. You have to lift off the offs. And we also spoke about this in at the sex supper club and people were saying, "Yeah, but what about my, I'm on my period and, um, you know, I'm really like hormonal, or I'm really sore and maybe it's the pill or maybe it's this. And honestly, whenever you think about things like that, just check yourself and say, am I making this an excuse because it's easier than talking to my partner? Am I just accepting this as my context as my life do i just is it just easier for me than changing everything else around me to just say oh i'm just tired then actually being like you can do this you can do this to me you can help me i can actually take a step back and think about how i can change my life if your sex life is important to you if it's not then that's great like Mm. if at this point in your life your career is what you're focusing on and your sex life could go to shit and you wouldn't care then that's fine as well and that's your reality and as long as you're choosing that for yourself, then there's no shame in that as well. You can still be part of the sex-positive conversation and you don't want to have sex all the time or that's not your priority. But as long as you're making... When we talk about creating, and I've just gone off, but very passionate about creating a sex-positive community or sex-positive environment, whenever you are in a place of privilege, what you can do is make sure that everyone else has the same choices as you. And that's kind of what we're going with. Like Making a sex-positive community means that everyone else has choices to get an abortion. Abortion. Everyone has a choice to be super kinky or to be not.
0: It's where just it, a choice.
1: It's, it's just allowing people choice without shame attached to it the whole time. And, and more education. It, and accessible, so education.
0: Yeah. As long as everyone
1: knows that they're making an informed decision, having a choice that is informed, then that's that's where we're moving towards empowerment and things like that. Education education to empower and making sure that no one feels shame whatever route they choose in this sex world. Spectrum. Yeah. Spectrum.
0: Exactly. And that's um, kind of what you did with opening up a question box on your Instagram where you got a few, I guess we can call them frequently asked questions, and we will be answering those in episode three, so for next week. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see you then. Cool. Have a great week, guys. See you next week. Bye.